Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. On this episode, we're going to be talking about the sometimes toxic relationship between fandom and celebrity. And I want to say on the onset that we might get into some triggering topics here because some celebrities have used their fame to go after fans. So we may talk about sexual harassment, other things like that. So I just want to put that out there. So if any of that's triggering for you, you might not want to listen. Okay, but before we get into that, just a couple of quick housekeeping notes. Of course, we are taking listener support for as little as 99 cents a month to $9.99 a month. If you'd like to support the show, please head on over to our anchor page or click listener support in our show notes. And also remember, we are going to be doing live streams from now on every week. They will probably almost always be taking place on Saturdays at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, but that's subject to change. So tomorrow we are going to be doing a live stream talking about the movie Army of the Dead. So that should be a lot of fun. Carla will be here for that one. Okay, so let's go around and have everybody introduce themselves and tell me one thing you're into right now in pop culture. Carla. Uh, I am currently into messaging Meg about my issues with nine one one Lone Star. Just from the pilot, and that listen, okay. I, I fully blame myself. The skincare. Yes, it's that lasts it's, hour. Yes, it is Rob Lowe skincare commercial with some firefighting. <laughs> it's what it actually is. But from the pilot, I've just been like, "What is this ball of white nonsense? Like, why am I subjecting myself to this?" And yet, here I am watching the second season. And I will tell you that the reason that I'm watching it at all is because Gina Torres is in it, and I will do just about anything for her. Yeah, that's that's understandable. That's understandable. Yeah, I I thought you were gonna say I was complaining to Meg about queers folk, and I'm like, okay, so she just gets. Oh no, <laughs> I do that on my timeline just for you. <laughs> She's privately complaining. <laughs> and I don't then need to do anything privately. And then speaking of queers folk, we have with us one of the hosts of Liberty Diner Dish, Ishelle. I'm so happy to have you back. So, what are you yeah. into? Um, I'm doing a lot of reading right now, and I just finished a series. Uh, it's called All for the Game, I think is the name of the series. Uh, and it's like this, um, I guess they're a college age XC team, like a made up sport, but, um, it's got like mafia and mob and all this Yakuza and all this other crazy <laughs> drama stuff, but it's pretty good. 
that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I, I love it when we get book recommendations because we've only had like a handful of them. So that's awesome. Yeah. And and then Meg, what are you into? Honestly, I'm gonna take suggestions because I <laughs> am having a hell of a time finding something that I feel like watching. Like I watched Hacks on HBO Max. They had their first two episodes out, and that was funny. And I'm like, okay, great. But that's a weekly thing. I'm like, that. Mm-hmm. Um. So lately, I have been switching back and forth between um, Criminal Minds as per usual and the nanny which i feel like is a very beautiful completely intuitive combination of television um but i just you know i haven't really seen anything lately that's been tripping my trigger um the underground railroad just came out on amazon prime and i'm not sure if i'm emotionally in a spot where i want to watch that Um, i saw the first episode and it was amazing but it's really intense. Uh, but yeah, so if, if any of y'all have any suggestions, I know what Aaron and Michelle are going to say. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I have a suggestion. <laughs> and Kyle, Kyle is just going to be like, uh, you know, there's this show, Euro, this movie, Eurovision. <laughs> Which I know you've watched a couple of times, but I feel like it bears rewatching. Just you feel like, or even watching it all for some people who maybe haven't watched it yet, but have it in their queue to watch stuff, whose names start with E and they're not Ishel, <laughs> and are currently on this podcast. Actually, I've been, I've been yeah. thinking about watching some more Psych because of the Psych announcement this week. Okay, but um, but we're talking I about Eurovision now. But Maggie, I, I'm not about Eurovision now. <laughs> but you can watch. You could watch Queers Folk. And you can watch it with <laughs> Carla. Yeah, see? And you can listen I along still, to our podcast. Yeah, you can listen along That's to the podcast. See? I still cannot think of Queer as Folk without thinking of Michael Scott. Um, and there's nothing against this show. <laughs> His <laughs> line. Like, total I'm sense. a friend of the gay community. I watch Queer as Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh, God, if that's a Michael show. Lordy, yeah, Uh, yeah. Well, well, that's my suggestion. So I think you should take it. But you know, and it's not just me on here. That's the nice thing. It's not just me that would be. (laughs) There's someone who started a podcast. Brian guy is kind of a butt. No, no, no. Those are lies. Yeah. The only thing I know about the show really is Carla's completely out of context timeline. Like, like, what is happening? And I'm in. There's my pop culture thing I'm into. I'm very invested in whatever Carla is tweeting about without having any context of the show. Yeah, I loved her. I, who's who has the drug problem right now? And I'm just like, oh. If you would just read the entire thread, you would see clearly that it's about Ted this time, not about Blake. Blake was season one. Please try to keep up. Yeah. Jeez, it's not that hard. Well, and at least I have someone else on here who likes Brian. I mean, it's nice, Devin. Yeah. <laughs> My fellow Brian fan, for sure. I am yeah. so happy for the two of you that you have each other. It's the worst. Well, is, there like, some, is there a character the you do like on there, Carla? Oh, I like all of them. Okay. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> she's, 
She likes Brian more this season in four. She's in season four, which is my favorite Brian season. And okay. Season okay. Well, so, yeah. I didn't think it'd be okay. possible for her to like Brian less than what I heard. Like, <laughs> that's the thing I mean, that she does talk to me about in hangs in our private hangs. She just, <laughs> I get to watch queer as fuck. Brian. <laughs> <laughs> which is something that I don't say in public. But I, I, I will say that with Brian, there was really nowhere to go but up. So season four is starting off really well for him. What do you mean you don't say it in public? You have a whole thread. That I do like. say it in public. That there's nothing that I don't say in public. Oh, I was going to say. Because Erin, I can just see her little replies. But Brian's nice. I never I Hey, I understand not liking Brian, but you should listen to when Ishelle and I talk about Brian and we examine him in season one, and we're going to keep examining him in season two, three, four, five. So you should listen to that, and then maybe you'll. I just think it's so telling that I haven't been invited to analyze him with you. Um, I think that's everything. And what I love the most about reaction is that you, you both have such diplomatic faces. Like, how can I kind of tell her to f off? <laughs> anyway, well, we've spent the first ten minutes talking about queer smoke, so it's <laughs> appropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for that yeah. publicity, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, seriously, listen to Liberty Diner Dish; it's awesome. I am into John Oliver right now. And just, yes, just John Oliver, because he's incredible and amazing. And if you know anyone who, for some reason, will not get a vaccine, show them the John Oliver video. I know he says in there, don't show them this, talk to them. But still, show the John Oliver video about that and lots of other things. He's just, he's just amazing. So that's what I'm into right now. Okay, so let's get into... The toxic side of fandom and celebrity. Okay, and I want to start out with this one. We're just talking about what I think actually kind of changed the relationship between celebrity and fans, and that was the internet. I mean, I think without a doubt, the internet has changed pretty much the social media. I mean, not just the internet has changed everything with the way we interact with celebrity, fame, creators, all of that. Because you have this kind of immediate thing or this immediate connection you feel you do. Sometimes if you have a celebrity follow you or something like that, it's like this high almost. So I want to start out with that because I think while it's a positive thing, there are a lot of negative sides to this. So I want to know from everybody what it feels like when you're able to follow a celebrity on Twitter or Instagram or anywhere and does that change sort of the way you feel about them? Do you feel like you know them better or what, Carla? I, I will say when I first started using social media, particularly Twitter, because I think Twitter is so much more in the moment and uh, reactive and and uh, interactive, really, you really start out feeling like you are having a conversation. And I think that's true not just for celebrities, you know, like the, the amount of times that you see people jumping into people's mentions, mm -hmm. they don't know them. They don't know you. And people are responding, you know, sarcastically or trying to joke around with something that's like an in, more of an inside joke or just feeling a little too familiar with total strangers. And with celebrities, there's this whole other level of knowing stuff about them 
um, because of, you know, things that have been published about them, because you've been watching them for years on screen, maybe you've seen them grow up. You know, there are a lot of times that you watch uh, a character that has been growing up with you, if they're the same age or something like that. So there is this fake intimacy that can develop. And I know that for me, initially, like there was this, this feeling of like, hurt pride of like, oh, why aren't they following me? And it's like, oh, they don't follow like anybody. Do you see, <laughs> Carla, that they have like a half a million followers, if not 3 million followers, and that they follow 300 people? Why would you be one of them? And, you know, and, and that's something that I, that I think as a new user, it's not necessarily out of the realm of, of you know, it, it's not something that you can't comprehend um, if you've been there for a long time. But if you're a new user, like, it really does kind of feel like, but I want to be your friend. And it, it's especially true when, when the celebrities are more approachable, which I, it's mm-hmm. not to say that, you know, that they bring it on themselves, although some of them kind of tip this, the scales towards um, making themselves too accessible. But just in general, just because somebody has a, a presence and maybe they interact with people, it doesn't mean that you have any ownership of their time and and any any real knowledge of who they are. It took me a while to really, well, it didn't really actually take me that long because, you know, I'm trying to be like, oh, you know, the people who, who still do this, it's like, oh, let's get, let's get them a slack. Not so much. You know, it's not really hard to figure out that these are not your actual friends. They're on there. They're, they're there to be friendly because it helps their brand. And yes, they share some real things about themselves. But realistically, a lot of them are on there because their publicists tell them to. Or because it's in their contract or whatever. Anisha? Uh, yeah, I think it, in some ways, it um, kind of extends or deepens like a, a parasocial attachment you know, where you can have this this basically like a false or one way relationship with, with some person or some character. And it kind of extends that. And it's not necessarily a healthy extension of that uh, at times. I think it can go too far. Um, I also think it gives you almost like a false sense of validation or importance. If they do retweet something that you said, or, or if they do follow you, then you kind of feel like, like what Carla was saying, like, guess I do know them or, you know, I'm cool with them. And it's really just, it's just a little button that they clicked, you know, but it feels like it's more than what it really is. Uh, and then I think also um, you never know if it's, if this is an extension of just their PR package and if it's somebody else who's controlling everything that's going on there, or if it's actually that person. So you really don't know if you're interacting with some character or really that person. Um, yeah. So it definitely, you know, definitely, uh, I guess, makes things a little bit more challenging, a little bit more tricky, or I can see how things would go toward a more toxic or unhealthy uh, situation because of the internet and social media and just um, how fans perceive what's put out there on those platforms. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much so. And Meg. Yeah. I think the parasocial kind of relationships that we have with celebrities, especially more approachable celebrities is a really interesting thing. Um, It's not new because of, from social media and it's not always necessarily negative or unhealthy. It can be a positive thing. Um, I think when we look at, especially I think for the four of us, when we're looking at kind of younger 
people like Gen Z people who are on social media, like we all grew up like with the internet or, and I remember when I was a kid on the internet being told like, don't tell anybody anything real about yourself. Always protect who you actually are. And I think a lot of us are still really guarded in a lot of ways about that. I know I personally am. I have like my Facebook world and my, my Twitter world. And it's very rare that those two meet. Um, but Gen Z kids, and I, and I have a 12-year-old, and it's something that I've talked to her about, tend to put everything out there on the internet because it's their main form of communication with a lot of people. Their world, they grew up in a much bigger world than we did. Um, and I think a lot of them kind of assume that their celebrities that they follow do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, and this is, I know, like, bring it back to Supernatural, but Misha Collins is a really prime kind of example of a parasocial relationship that he has with his fans. Because, and you can kind of tell you can watch if you look at his tweets and stuff from 2012 and things like that. And he was much more like answering people and much more kind of involved in talking and goofing off and things like that. And you can kind of see him pull back a little bit. And he has actually talked about trying to balance that public persona and himself. And he felt like he was giving too much of who he actually is and kind of him having to dial that back a little bit as his following grew. And I thought he did, uh, he was talking about that on Elena Huffman's podcast, and I can't think of the name of it right now, I'm sorry. But I think it's really interesting to kind of see, I do know that feeling of like, oh my gosh, they like my tweet, or like, a, or... <laughs> Or just knowing that they read it, they read something that you wrote. And I think it's more of a, they have, they post something and they have thousands of people or hundreds of people replying right away and they saw yours and there's that little bit of dopamine hit and that can be addictive. It can, that validation can really feel addictive. Now, I don't think parasocial relationships are inherently unhealthy. I do think social media has given people a really kind of false sense of familiarity with celebrities. Like when, when we were kids, it would be like, I, cause I'm not going to pretend that this didn't exist when we were kids. Like we were all super fans of somebody and we all really kind of felt like we connected with them and they were talking specifically to us. Um, but we really kind of knew that that wasn't actually <laughs> the case. Um, because we did not live in a world of subtweets and vague tweeting or anything like that. And we didn't have that immediate and much more intimate access that we really do have with public figures. And I'm going to just say celebrities with public figures because you look at politicians and politicians have a much wider audience than they did before social media. Like, before social media, I would not necessarily know Congress people, like representatives from other states and other, and that didn't personally involve me. But through social media, their reach is much wider. And that means we feel like we know them more. And that's a great political tool for them. But it can also be really, really horribly abused. And I think that's something we all witnessed. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to stay by whom. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ditto a lot of what everyone said. I mean, I remember, and I've mentioned this before, one of the first kind of interactions with any celebrity I ever had through the internet was when I was involved with Project Greenlight, which was, of course, the project that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck started. And Matt Damon was honestly not really that involved in that. Ben Affleck was really involved in that. And we had message boards and Ben Affleck would come on there. He'd come on there late at night. He'd go to parties in LA that we would have to celebrate things. And that was my first sort of interaction in that kind of realm with a celebrity. And for me, it was a mostly positive thing because he's, I I will say Ben Affleck is one of the smartest people I have ever, 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 ever (laughs) like virtually met because he's really smart. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of his, but he's actually a really, really intelligent guy. So that was always cool, but it also felt like you were kind of amongst a colleague in a way that was a different experience because we were all artists there and we were all there to try to become successful. So I think it was a little bit of a different environment. And because he knew everybody was artists on there, I think, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know, but because I don't know him, but it felt like he was a little bit more open as far as the artist side of himself goes, because he knew everybody on there was a fellow artist. So, you know, but you can take advantage of that as well. I mean, and you see a lot of people do that, but that was my first interaction. And then, of course, after that, of course, when you get Twitter, which I fought getting Twitter, I really didn't want to get Twitter, but I did end up getting it. And I didn't really start getting really active in Twitter until like 2014 or something. It was right around when I discovered the Mindy Project, honestly. That's when I got involved in it. And then I remember I followed Jeremy Sisto. If you don't know who Jeremy Sisto is, I mean, if you've seen Clueless, then you know who Jeremy. And he followed me back. And I remember how amazing that felt. I was like, I don't know why he's following me, but he's probably just following everybody or something. Or it was an accident. And so he followed me for a long time. And then I remember when he stopped following me. And it was the feeling because I was like, I wonder if I said something to offend Jeremy's sister <laughs> when it was probably just he cleared it out or his assistant cleared it out. It had nothing to do with me. But there is that kind of weird natural high that you get when a celebrity that you admire, that you like, when they like one of your tweets, when they retweet one of your tweets. Like I remember when Don Cheadle retweeted something I tweeted out because we share a birthday. So I'm always like, if I ever met him, I would kind of say, born on the same day and we both were raised born in Colorado so but I remember and it was all about his movie Miles Ahead about Miles Davis so it was nothing to do with me it was nothing to do with what I probably even said it was more like he was promoting his movie so it made sense but I remember it felt so amazing when he did that because it was like oh he's seen me you know but he doesn't really know me so it is this thing where you have to kind of balance where you go, okay, that's cool that they noticed you. That's cool that they liked you. But it doesn't mean that they even know you, that you can just reach out to them and say, hey, we're friends now. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. And I think especially younger people, I think, have a harder time with that, like you were saying a little bit, Meg, where they think this is the real them. And a lot of celebrities, and I think sometimes you can tell when it's actually not a real the real celebrity because the tweets are a little bit like, 
I don't know, manufactured, I think is the best term. And so you can kind of tell somebody else is writing this for them. So yeah, it's, it's a thin line where I think it's awesome that you get to have this kind of interaction and it's not so, oh, they're just far off in mythical Hollywood land where you can actually see them and see a little bit of their life. I think especially on Instagram, it's a little bit different. Instagram is different to me because it's more like you're getting actual pictures of their life, (laughs) actual videos of their life. Sometimes they'll do live things and that's pretty cool. But, you know, I mean, like, like just recently, one of the ones that got me was when Scott Lowell of Queer's Folk, when he liked uh, Ishelle's po- or Liberty Diner Dishes post about the the trivia night. And I saw he liked that. And to me, it was like, oh, my God, <laughs> could Ted be watching the trivia night? Which I know that the likelihood of that is like almost zilch. But it's still very exciting because it's like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool because I admire this person and they're in my favorite show. So it's this thing where you kind of have to go, okay, this isn't reality, but it's still fun. And I think it's okay to like that stuff. I think it's okay to get a little high from it as long as you realize they're not your friends and they're not going to be Well, this is exactly why, even though Tay Diggs followed me, I'm not like super excited about it because Tay Diggs follows literally everybody. Oh, really? Um, first off, <laughs> he does not follow me. And he doesn't I follow me. I got very excited when Beth Grant started following me and Juliet Landau followed me. Oh, yeah, and Juliet Landau followed yeah. me, too. Mm-hmm. You, I'm not even going to lie. I just went to my Twitter to check if they still did when you talked about Jeremy. It's just <laughs> I was like, I've been kind of obnoxious lately. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is exciting. I mean, you know. Yeah. No, but the thing is, like, I, I, I'm a dated old twitter user where you know and it towards the beginning when i would get a like or something um from a celebrity i would be like oh my gosh i can't believe this person that i've been watching forever and that i that i admire mm-hmm. actually read something that i wrote and they enjoyed it there was a post that i wrote about Jaime Camille back in the early seasons of jane the virgin that he retweeted and that tweet did not die down for like for like several days and I was like oh my god I'm just so tired of being celebrity right now like oh my god I, I don't have to spend time um so when I got to the point where Tay Diggs followed me I was like oh cool but I didn't think much more of it like, it was still pretty neat he it's didn't neat talk to people first so <laughs> no but it's, it's like a little fun bit of trivia but it's it doesn't really mean anything in the end right. because we're not having like significant discussions about mm-hmm. anything it's just we're we're mutuals and that's it and he it's could unfollow small. me at any time and, and it's just not that big of a deal and i find it really <laughs> interesting that a, a, there are several celebrities who will be like they're trying to raise awareness for something or other or anything like that and they're like retweet this and and five people who retweet this i'll follow you for the day and people get mm-hmm. really really excited and then they get really nervous and like i shouldn't say anything that day because I don't want them to think I'm stupid. I'm like, I, I don't know <laughs> what to tell you, honey. Like, they know what they're getting into when they follow randos. Not only, <laughs> yeah. they not don't, only and that, and they quickly learn. <laughs> yeah. Not only that, what they do is that they'll follow people, they'll mute them immediately, exactly. and then go on about their day. It's nothing personal, and that's why you shouldn't take it as a mm-hmm. personal thing in any way, other than like a really cool thing. That you can brag about to like your spouse and make them jealous for 30 seconds until you forget because one of you forgot (laughs) to cross dinner. 
Well, we're not here to talk about my marriage, though. It's one of those things too, where it's like you see a you see a public figure, and like they are so important to you. And and I think we've all had like public figures or, or actors or celebrities or anything like that, or musicians that we like look up to and really means a lot to us personally because of something that was going on in our lives and they helped us through or anything like that. They just, they imprint Mm -hmm. like Bon Jovi or Carla. Um, But there is one of them. So it's very easy for us to focus on one person. They have sometimes millions of people and, and not, not replying to your tweets or not liking something that you said or being when you're like, Hey, wish me a happy birthday. And they don't, you're, you're one of thousands of people tweeting at them and they just physically cannot do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think where it starts to get really dicey is when people start to kind of depend on that for their own personal validation and their own feelings of self-worth. Mm-hmm. And that's when it goes from being something that's fun and kind of weird and unusual to being something that can become unhealthy and, and toxic because when you put all of, and this is true of anybody, like if you put your self-worth on anybody else, then it it does nothing but hurt you. And I, and I talk to friends who, who go through stuff like this, not necessarily about public figures, but it's just like, Plant your own garden. Don't wait for somebody else to bring you flowers. Mm-hmm. And and it's something that, especially with this increased access we have to public figures, especially, is really hard for people to remember because there's a certain hierarchy within fandoms. There are tiers of fans. There are fandom famous fans, which mm-hmm. I think is a whole other like weird relationship and kind of hierarchy, but it's, it's really hard. I think, especially, like I said, for younger people who are so used to just putting all of themselves out there for the world and never keeping anything for themselves to understand that their, their idol can't do that. Like, and most people really can't do that. And I think we see a lot of, we've been seeing a big rise in mental health issues in younger people and I think part of that is to do with throwing everything about you into the void and not keeping anything for yourself. That's yeah. definitely that's off topic for the toxic fandom stuff, but I felt like it's but no, it's it's kind just, of branches in together. It does. And I mean, when we're gonna be talking about um Jeremy Renner's app and and <laughs> honestly, when I inter- no, when I introduce this, I'm gonna go on a long thing first before I have anybody else talk about it. But there's a but even with that, there is a thing within that app. And part of the reason it becomes such became such a toxic thing is because you had those fan hierarchies where you had fans that were gatekeeping and you had fans that were like, well, mm-hmm. I'm the bigger fan and I get more access to this person. And so I'm the one that's more well known and you're just this little peon. And then things were like rigged and all this drama. Well, so you so have that kind of stuff within, you know, so I think it all goes together. And because, I think it's so interesting yeah. within fandoms that it doesn't even necessarily have to do with the show or the actor or anything that you're fans of as far as fandom hierarchy. If you look at and I'm and I I know we talk about supernatural a lot, and I'm sorry, it's just the fandom no, that I'm most <laughs> it's the fandom I'm most involved in. So a lot of my examples kind of come from that. Uh, it's a fandom I read fan fiction from. And you can tell you can see on Twitter, you can see on Archive of Our Own and Tumblr, there are fan famous accounts. 
and some of them very, very much, regardless of whether they have any access to any celebrities or anything like that, any actors on the show or writers or anything like that, they are meaner than any of the public figures can be, and they use that clout and beat people upside the head with it more than I generally see most celebrities. There are some celebrities that are pretty awful and gross in their own mm-hmm. right, and I think we can talk about those later. Um, but I think it's really interesting, even when you have a large group of people, how there's just like this weird natural order. And I'm like at the bottom of this food chain <laughs> of, of the fandom. I'm just happy to be there most of the time, when I'm, except mm-hmm. when I'm really happy. Um, but I just, I think it's really interesting. And I think like the weird kind of hangers on that people will cling to, like the third grip, on episode four yeah. <laughs> of mm-hmm. Criminal Minds followed me back. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. <laughs> Here's your, that's clout, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, uh, and uh, another thing you, you know, and this even bleeds into someday we'll do even a podcast about podcasters because this is the same in the podcast world. This happens too. There are podcasters that because they have more followers or they've had certain celebrity guests on or stuff like that, that they kind of take that and take that to this level where they become snobby and like, oh, I'm better than you because I was able to have this person on. I mean, you know, Ishelle was talking to me for a while and then she stopped because she had Peter Page and Scott Lowell on her podcast. And so then I'm just kidding. Again, no, that's I true. That really Beth happened. Grant. I interviewed Beth Grant for my podcast, and I still talk to you <laughs> for my old podcast many moons ago. <laughs> well, I had my own exciting guests on here. I was that's like, why we're really all on the same stuff. level. Anyway, but but no, you find it in podcasters too, where podcasters do have that snobbery to them. None of them are on here, and I don't know any of them because they won't talk to me. So. <laughs> Aaron wants that sweet, sweet clout. <laughs> no, no, but uh, but yeah, let's well, let's move on to another thing that I think happens a lot now is, and this can be a good thing. This can be a positive thing. This has saved shows that have been canceled. This has actually helped showrunners and filmmakers and other people have seen notes and actually taken those notes to heart and done something or changed something. But it can also be toxic. And this is when fans reach out to the actors or to the creators and say, I don't like this. I think you should change this. Or why don't you try to do this? But sometimes what it does is they'll say, you know, if you don't change this, I'm going to kill you. Literally, (laughs) they will do death threats. Or they go after an actor who's playing a character and because they don't like what the character did, they go after the actor like it was the actor's fault. Or so they talk about- take on-screen feuds like between characters and go after the other actor. Yes. Like if you're yes. a stan of one mm-hmm. actor, that means you have to hate the other one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. It's Yeah, but it's like that. Or like, you know, what used to happen a lot with uh, soap actors is they would tell stories how they'd be like out at the grocery store and somebody would come up to them and they'd just be furious and yell at them, throw stuff at them because they hated what their character did. Okay, so Carla, what are your thoughts on this about when fans have that interaction and they get to give the feedback? Well, 
first the, the good stuff and i'll keep that brief because this is about tax toxic stuff so let's not talk about the, the good stuff okay like let's let's stay on topic <laughs> no but uh I, I do think it's it is absolutely worthwhile when fans have an immediate response to something that might be uh particularly triggering something that that might be not what the writers or the the show intended to portray and they'll say look that was not okay to do you know there have been many instances of of fans saying i can't believe that you just fridged yet another woman um which i'm thinking of a show in particular but that can be a great number of shows Mm -hmm. um and also things like uh when people were talking about that that Confederate show that the Game of Thrones mm-hmm. um, showrunners were trying to to do, it was like, what what would happen if the South had won the Civil War? It's like, can we not go there, you white guys <laughs> who don't know what you're talking about? Could we just like let that be? Um, and and so again, in those instances, I think it's absolutely valuable to have that immediate feedback and to show not only the creators but also their employers, why something won't fly. Now, the other side of that is where people take it too far, where they will take a plot. Like, it, it could be anything from a plot line to a piece of wardrobe to something even bigger, a cancellation of a show, um, a change in, in an actor's, when they recast somebody, when they switch out actors, and people will take that to, to the extreme. And it's one thing to be passionate about your faves and about a storyline that you love, but to take that and to say, well, I am extremely displeased, therefore I would like to threaten to kill you at a time that is convenient for me, probably not for you. That's not something that's okay. And that's something that where you start you really start to think, you know, like, is all of this access worth it? You know, like on the one hand, it's wonderful to be able to connect with fellow fans and with the people who bring us these things that we're so into, but is it worth it when there are a few people who take it too far and will outright abuse people just for doing their jobs? And at the end, like this is, this is what they are, their jobs. Um, an actor who whose character kills another character or who, you know, sleeps with the, with the characters, with their, you know, on-screen besties, boyfriend mm-hmm. or whatever, they're not actually doing anything to you. You may not be happy about it and it may feel very personal to you because you're very, very invested in it, but they're not actually doing anything to you. They're not doing anything to even the other person, you know, what do you know about their actual relationship? And that's even that is beside the point. Because the point is, this is all fiction. This is mm-hmm. all something on TV. This is something that is there for entertainment. It's not there for uh, for you to take matters into your own hands, especially not when you're threatening people's lives or livelihoods. And that's where I think that uh, that it can be very dangerous to be available online the fact that it's that it can that it seems like it's pretty easy to dox 
anybody. And, you know, in this, I'm talking about actors, of course, and, you know, writers and producers, directors, whatever, but also fellow fans. The amount mm-hmm. of times that a fellow fan will get doxxed for voicing the wrong opinion is ridiculous. People can't ship somebody passionately without an opposing ship person, you know, beating them down online, being very nasty to them. And particularly the bigger fan accounts where they may quote tweet somebody from a smaller account about something largely largely innocuous, but then they get this hell storm of of fans beating on them for for just having Mm -hmm. an opinion on something. And I think that that's really the biggest problem is that there's so much damage caused that can be hard to reverse or irreversible, you know, if, if because people have had to move, they've had to, they, they've been fired from their jobs for having an opinion about a fandom. And there have been actors who have had to live in fear for their safety and for the safety of their loved ones because somebody made threats and you know no no matter what people say it's not just words it's not just words it's it is scary when you're the recipient it's easy to say well you know they're just saying that they're just blowing off steam don't worry about it you know it's it's likely that they won't do anything but that small likelihood is enough to ruin your night's sleep for weeks mm-hmm. so it, it just it really feels unfair to and you know i i kind of feel like in a way i'm like just chuck it all away forget it we're done with the internet we're done with social media just close <laughs> up shop shut it down we're done with all of this you know like let's let's just make this better by not having it at all and sometimes it just it does feel that way. And I'm sure that it does, especially for the people who are on the receiving end mm-hmm. of this abuse. And for all the good things that we do get from being so interconnected, there is that nagging thought of like, you know, who out there has had a harder time because of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's 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 something that I think is really unfortunate and really unfair. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Any shelf? Uh, yeah, I think I'll throw out a few good things and then focus on the toxic, like Carla suggested, you know, like uh, something you brought up, Erin, was how social media has helped resurrect shows. Another thing is it's helped influence casting decisions, you know, um, and so it's kind of a, you know, victory for diversity there, uh, you know, just getting casting directors to think outside the box when they see this huge petition, like cast this person in this role. Uh, so that, I guess, there are some good things that have come from it. Some of the more toxic things, I think uh, just kind of a running thing with what we've been talking about is it has shifted the expectation for uh, from fans and audiences. Um, like I think, you know, for example, if there's a show that's, that's on air and a person, people are, there's something trending and they want a certain thing to happen. I remember I didn't watch all the scandal, but I watched a little bit of it. But I remember it was like the Fitz or Jake, I can't remember, his, whatever, you know, and there were the fans who were split and they were trying to influence the writers, um, the writer's decision with that and the direction of the show with that. And uh, I think, you know, the conversation, the discourse can be fun and entertaining, but I guess for the artist, maybe Aaron, you might feel this way, but um, 
the art really belongs to the, to the artist at some point, you know, and I think this has shifted the expectation and the audience feels like, no, we said we wanted this. It's trending on Twitter. It needs to be this, you know? And so I feel like it's kind of changed that relationship a little bit, which can make things go, you know, that, that creates a different level of challenge for the, um, for the writer, for the creator. Uh, but also, yeah, with, um, with the cast members or with the actors who, are now associated with their characters. And that's who you have to be like, uh, I'm going to use an example from Queer's Folk. Uh, so supposedly, and then I'll get into the truth of this on our podcast. We'll do some investigative research, but supposedly they had to shift how they were filming some of the scenes because one of the actors who is gay in real life, his partner was receiving death threats because they wanted this actor with his co-star, not with his real life boyfriend. And so Supposedly, they kind of like calm tensions. They stopped filming certain things or in certain ways. I don't know how true that is, but it sounds like a valid argument, but I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but even if it's not true for this show, I'm sure it's true for something. And, you know, just things like that, you know, and, and back at that time, that would have been early, early 2000s or even shows before that when hate mail was at least wrapped in an envelope. Well, now it's public and anybody can see it out, you know, on social media or um, just wherever people put it on the internet. And, um, yeah. And then with cancel culture going on right now, like it's just, I feel like it's just a weird, um, it's a weird thing. Uh, this kind of weird quagmire that, um, yeah, that it created. So, yeah. Well, to kind of go the same way as Carla and Michelle, I think there are some really good things about having, um, access to creators and and not even so much actors but like the actual people behind the scenes who can make stuff happen um letting them know that we want more representation in tv shows and films for cast not just casting but behind the screen behind the screens well-deserved backlash for terrible insensitive awful decisions be they racist homophobic able any all of it um, I think those are really important, but like so much we talk about, everything is a really kind of thin double-edged sword because cancel culture, there is consequences for shit you say, and then there's cancel culture for shit you said 15 years ago. And it's been very made, made very clear that in that time you have educated yourself and you have grown as a person because people can grow and they can change. And I sure as hell do not want to be held to the shit I said when I was 21 years old. Like I just... I don't want to, I'm a different person now than I was then. And I think that's where that double-edged sword kind of comes in. I actually took notes so I didn't just attack and interrupt you guys while you were talking. You should be really proud of me. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Like the fury and the righteous anger in some ways where a show or a movie or a storyline doesn't go the way you want to a degree I can understand that to agree this is a void that people are kind of letting their feelings out if you're not tagging a bunch of people in it and you're just spewing into the void that's completely understandable I generally go with the whole I just want to be told a good story it doesn't necessarily have to end how I want it to end as long as it's a good story um the flip side of that is if it's if it's a good story and then you fuck up the landing it sucks. And yeah, I will tweet about it because that's who I am, but I'm not going to be like, you're the worst people in the world. I hate you. I hope you all die mm-hmm. because that's a little overkill and they don't give a fuck about what I think. Um, <laughs> another thing, and I'm just trying to, I'm trying to 
check out my notes. Sorry. Um, another thing, because I want to go off of what Carla, I think it was, was talking about with doxing and how easy it is to dox and not just people doxing each other in the fandom, but people abusing their own personal power to dox celebrities. Um, there was an actor who had actors have different autographs than they do actual signatures. And there was an actor who a fan had access to his actual signature through their job. And they used that power and abused it to sock him and his family. And that's just, I, I honestly, I can't think of a world in which anyone thinks that's the correct thing to do. Like, I just, I, I can't think of anyone, who, how anyone would think that's okay in any way, shape or form. But that kind of goes into what you were talking about, Ishal, with queer as folk and real person shipping. And it's not death threats or anything like that necessarily. It can get to that point. And I'm not talking about you being like, oh, these actors are so cute together. They're a couple on screen. Wouldn't it be cute if they were a couple in real life because they have such good chemistry? I feel like, honestly, that's harmless. If that's just something you're privately thinking or you're just DMing with your friends about it and stuff like that, fine. But when you start harassing their spouses or their partners, Um, I think it's Larry's from One Direction, like they had to stop being friends or they had to no longer be seen together in public because it got so bad. Relationships were ruined because their significant others were getting harassed relentlessly by fans who thought that they were beards. Um, Right again into the supernatural fandom, there are tin hatters and, and cockles and stuff like that who send, who are so deep into their own headcanons and their own theories that they don't seem to see a way out of the woods. And it, it gets really worrisome for fans mental health when it looks like you can't separate fiction from reality or fantasy from reality. Mm -hmm. And I cannot, and I, and I read about this and I don't have the source offhand, but I have read about there were there were actors who were in relationships with their co-stars or they were in a same sex relationship with their co-stars and they didn't feel like they it had they had to keep it secret and they had to keep it and they ended it because they were in a relationship with someone that everyone was shipping them with in real life and it just got to be too much pressure and it was too much pain. I think people really forget that they are people. Actors and celebrities are they're just and musicians, they're just people and people can only take so much. But as I haven't, I mean, the death threats thing, I haven't seen, like, I've seen plenty. But I feel like as far as what I've been seeing in fandom, like online, real people shipping and how deep and toxic that can get has been far scarier because that can lead to death threats and it can lead to a lot of things like attacking people's children and it. Sorry, mm-hmm. that part really, that actually really bothers me because there is there's nothing wrong with a healthy fantasy if you're being respectful and you understand boundaries. There is something when you're constantly barraging someone about something that's frankly none of your business. Like mm-hmm. no one cares who I am sleeping with. <laughs> well, one person cares who I'm sleeping with because <laughs> yeah, I married him. <laughs> 
know what? Not even my <laughs> not even my husband. He very much cares who I'm sleeping with. But I I just feel like the weird fixation on people's private personal sex lives is just in itself really kind of an unhealthy thing if you're going beyond your own personal private fantasies which i think are fine mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of all i have to say about that no i i i, I agree with what everyone has said i mean there is that line there is the positive where you do see changes you do i mean even little minor changes like I talked about just recently on our This Is Us episode and how a lot of people were complaining because the character of Kate, her whole storyline in the beginning was all about the fact that she she's fat. That's all the storyline was about was that. And she had nothing else of value. Well, a lot of people complained about that. So they kind of overcorrected it, honestly, and became it a little bit more unrealistic. But they kind of took, they they listened and took a lot of that away. And you'll see that happen with a lot of things. You'll see some actors take roles that they shouldn't take. And because of the public backlash, like Scarlett Johansson, they will pull out of those roles. Uh, not say, and I, you know, and I don't always necessarily think sometimes that that's genuine. I think it's more they're worried about their brand. But you still will see some good come of it. You'll see like with Me Too and Lots of movies like, I mean, movies, movements like that. You'll see stuff happen just recently with Joss Whedon and other things. You do see some people trying to have people take accountability. But I'm a pessimist. Well, I don't I, think this stuff is stuff that lasts forever or has necessarily a, a lasting impact all the time. I think sometimes it's like a fad and people jump on a fad and they're like, we're going to help and we're going to listen and we're going to make changes. And then they might go and then forget all about that and do the same thing again and have to be called to task again. But I think that's the pot that can be a positive though, is that when people are listening and going, okay, maybe we should take a step back and we actually can see in real time how the art we're creating is affecting people. Because I do think there is, um, the you know, how the art affects you, what the artist's intent was, but then you also can have your own interpretation. And I think that's fine. As long as you're not telling the artist that, no, that can't be true. That can't be right. What you're saying you were creating that for, that's not right. Because my interpretation is the only right thing. Instead of having like this civil discourse of, you know, going, oh, that's interesting. Oh, okay. I didn't see it that way. So I think, you know, I think there's like the two, the two sides to it, but it gets toxic when the fans think they own the celebrities, own the creators, own the art, own what's coming out because they forget, like you said, Meg, that these are human beings. They are not just playthings for you to play with. They're not just there for you. They're not just there to entertain. They actually have real fears, real lives, real people they love, real things they care about, things that make them sad, things that make them angry. Some might have their own mental health issues that they're struggling with. So that's where the line gets crossed as people forget that and think that they own them and they can have a say in their life. And you can't, you, you just, you don't have a say in their own personal life. That's their personal life. You have no say in that. That's not yours to talk about. And that's why shipping real people always icks me it's really icky to me I don't know because I don't know them I mean 
If it's my well, friend, well, I, I'm like, I'm if I want like, my friend to get with somebody, then... Well, and I'm not talking... Like I said, if this is something that you personally are just like, oh my god, they're so cute, wouldn't it be great if they were a real couple or something like That's that? That's one I thing. Have, I don't That's have a problem one with thing. If you're like, <laughs> oh my god, why aren't you leaving your wife to be with this other person? Or, or mm-hmm. your relationship, your marriage is fake, and it's all a publicity stunt. That's where it gets in my... It, it gets just not okay because there's a difference between healthy fantasy and unhealthy fantasy and i think i i wanted to just i wanted to hop on really quickly because you're talking about you don't like maybe them leaving roles or changing stuff isn't genuine and they just see it's about the bottom line frankly i'll take it if they're looking no i'm not saying it's not a bad thing i'm saying that i don't necessarily think it's genuine Right. But, but the thing is, is if they're looking and saying that, um, I personally feel like if they're looking and saying, okay, we're going to lose money doing this, that's far more likely to be a lasting impact than being like, oh, okay, well, this is the trend right now to, to follow this. Or I personally feel really sad about doing this. If, because when it comes down to it, when entertainment is a business, there is art to it but the people who create that art have a business and if they learn that they're not going to make money by continuing with racist tropes or or whitewashing or fat phobic storylines or ableist storylines then that's just as it's not as good as people like oh these are human beings and we should treat them as such but (laughs) part of me feels like if it gets the job done then it's not as good, but it's okay. As far as, and as far as like getting mad about stories, I talked about that. I think death of the author is a thing. I think when you create Mm -hmm. art and when you put it out there, it's no longer yours. And thank God for Harry Potter fans that that's the case. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's no, it's not, everyone has a right to interpret art how they want to. Art is subjective. And I, but I think where the line gets crossed is if you're threatening the people, not the people who create the art or people who write stories and the people who portray them, you don't have a right to attack them. You can critique the story and you absolutely should if you want to critique the art, but these are people just doing their jobs and just let them do their jobs. Most actors have no control over the story. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of actors, unless they're like really high up actors, you know, they can't, you can't really say much, honestly. Um, Or you're told a lot of times to play along or you will get fired or do whatever you want to do, but that's totally different topic (laughs) as far as that goes. But yeah, yeah. I just, it's just kind of freaky to me because you will see sometimes online people get so impassioned you know, you'll see it, especially in Supernatural, which is why I don't interact with that fandom, because that fandom is so toxic in that respect. They go after everybody involved in that show. Everybody. I mean, they go after every single person from, you know, a makeup person to this to that. If someone tweets something that they don't like or goes against someone that they ship, then they just like, they're just like on them. It's so 
not disturbing all of them, but to sometimes it's righteous. Well, no, I'm not talking about all of them. I'm talking about the toxic bad side, bad side, because like I said, it, it is a good thing sometimes when you are bringing things to the forefront and when someone does something like, you know, Gal Gadot, for instance, the other day and what she tweeted out and people rightfully going after her and stuff like that, that's fine. It's when it's like this little tiny thing where someone doesn't agree with your interpretation of how something is in a show or Maybe they say something that seems to be pro the other person's ship, and then they're just like on them. That's when it's just weird to me, or when they'll basically stalk the celebrities offline and stalk them to where they live or where they work or where they are for that chance to see them, or maybe get a behind the scenes thing or with that real person ship, maybe see those people together and ooh, they really are together kind of thing. So that's when it gets toxic, yeah. And then, um, Michelle, you wanted to talk about fanfic, real people fanfic? Yeah, well, I don't know. It's made me think about it when we were talking about um, the, I guess, expectations for the actors and how they should, like, real life ships and whatnot. I just mm-hmm. kind of curious about you guys, your thinking on real per. I don't know. I might not be using the right <laughs> titles. I just now discovered fan fiction. So. RPF. Uh, you are. R- okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. RPF. There we go. Well, I didn't know what that was. I had to Google it. But uh, anyway, I stumbled across one of those and um, I forget which fandom it was, it was in, but for me, that just kind of weirds me out because I, I can see them as their character, but then I have to like leave them as their character. I can't, put the real person in there and read this. So I'm just curious if, uh, since we're talking about fandom and, and things like that, uh, and that interactions with celebrities, I was wondering what you guys think about that. I'm not a fan of RPF. And that's something that it's not universally, you know, I, I know that for sure Meg has a different opinion on this, but my thinking on it is that it's just, it's gross. And I know that, that a lot of celebrities are actually, okay with it or they come to be okay with it or sometimes they even actively encourage it um but just on the whole the idea of uh of taking somebody's life and shaping it around your fantasies and then publishing that and then having other people comment on it and disseminate it it's 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 gross like there's no other way to put it you know like i I know that that there there have been so many Twitter firestorms about how, you know, defending RPF and, and just real person shipping in general. And I know that a lot of the points that they make are valid. But I also just think that um, aside from those celebrities who who just go ahead and rock with it, there are probably a lot more of them that are that are pretending to just so that they don't hurt fans' feelings or that's just so that they don't hurt their brand or who have come to learn that that's just part of being a celebrity and that there's really not all that they can do about it. So they just, they kind of learn to take it with a grain of salt. And that's something that, that, that fans put on them that I don't think is fair. It's like a burden that they have to learn to shoulder versus something that's a real um, plus of interacting with, with fans. And and just anytime that, that you're um, taking somebody's life and putting your own spin on it, it's, it's just, uh, to me, I just consider it invasive. And it's something that, you know, if, if you're just sharing it in your DMS with your friends 
if you're just talking about it among your your friend circle that's that's fine but even if you don't tag the celebrity when you're posting about it it's still out there and it's something that that sometimes they still see and that the, they may come across or maybe their kids may come across and I, I just, I, I can't even imagine, you know, if my kid came across something about, oh, you know, would it be really awesome if your mommy was getting banged by some random dude that I think would be good for her? That's not your dad. Mm-hmm. I, that's just my, my feeling on it. And, and I know that it's not, um, it's not even necessarily a popular opinion, because I think that there are a lot of people who just really ardently believe that there are no um, real victims in the RPF game unless you're tagging people. And I just don't think that that's true. Yeah, I... So I I feel like I need to be clear. Not all RPF is, like, smut. It's not all porny. I I have read Jen RPF stuff before just because um, some friends... Well, some friends write it and I and I want to read it to be supportive of them i think i really only have any experience like i said within one fandom kind of where this goes and i really don't feel like it's the best example of of a broader sense because between the length of the show and conventions and this very we talk about parasocial relationships and within the supernatural actors in the fandom they have a very unique relationship between the actors and the fans which almost makes it weirder doing art when you see rpf because like if it's it i have very mixed p- feelings about rpf because on one hand i generally think if you're not harassing them if you're not threatening their wives if you are personally having fun with with something and you're creating alternate universe versions of, of people that you are making characters that have, that have these guys names or these women's names, then it is really is a really thin line for me. And it's really like, I, I border on it a lot because I have seen people who generally just harmlessly ship and, and like I was talking about, they're just like, wouldn't this be cute? And reading like little fluffy fix of the, of two actors just going and having fun and doing stuff. And it's just little stories, little like one shots about daily lives or something that happened at a convention and what they think, Hey, maybe this is something that happened after the panel. Um, and then I've also seen people who have really gone over the deep end and got to a place where it was completely toxic and completely invasive and wrong and terrible. And I think it's a really slippery slope if you're not careful in doing that. And I I don't know. I I generally try not to ship shame with like two topics exceptions. <laughs> So I just, yeah, I feel like it's a really, really thin line. Because like I said, I know people who who ship RPS ships. And I don't think those people are creepy or, or disrespectful in how they do it. 
but I also know people who are creepy and disrespectful. So it's, I don't know. I feel mm-hmm. like I, and I'm going to be honest. I really don't feel like there's a right answer for me to give right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just don't like reading it. It makes me uncomfortable because yeah. like you were saying, Michelle, that's, it's the character that I think of the character and I don't want to think of the actor doing that kind of stuff. I have no problem with people like, you know, there are celebrity couples that I've loved that when they broke up, I was sad that they broke up. You know, I'll be honest about that, that, you know, but then there's that other side to it where like, for instance, you know, I'm, I'm wearing my, a star is born shirt that Carla bought me my Jackson main shirt. And when a star is born was out because of the fact that Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga had amazing chemistry, everybody hated Bradley Cooper's girlfriend and her fiance at that time. And they went after her. Uh, when Rocket Man came out because everybody wanted Taron Edgerton and Richard Madden to really be dating in real life, they went after Taron Edgerton's girlfriend because she wasn't smiling in pictures. And it's, and they're like, see, she's a bitch or see, they're miserable together. And that's when it's like crossing a line because it's like, okay, you don't know these people. You have no idea what their relationship is like. That person that's not yeah. smiling, they're probably doing that because maybe they... Like with his girlfriend, she's not an in front of the camera person. She's or a behind you, the camera person. And you maybe they don't want that attention. So or yeah. maybe they but don't I necessarily think, even know their picture is being taken. And I think I think you hit the nail well, that too. When but, you feel like mm-hmm. there's you have a sense of ownership over these people, that's when it crosses the line. Mm-hmm. I think is a good a good kind of thing for me. Cause like I said, I try not to ship shame and I try not to say that healthy fantasies are necessarily bad. They may not be mm-hmm. my cup of tea. They may not be any of your guys' cup of tea. Um, but if you can recognize that this is your fantasy and you're not putting that on those people, then I can see it a bit. And I know yeah. Carla has a point with with talking about like they can come across it. Their kids might come across it. I also think mm-hmm. a lot of those people are probably going to have those conversations with their kids, and that's kind of a, so that's a thing. Yeah, that's part of that. That's part <laughs> of the thing. Yeah, but we're going to move on from this, and um, so let's get into. Sometimes there have been some cases. Um, most recently was Army Hammer, of course, where celebrities will go and DM privately. Uh, certain people, a lot of times it'll be underage girls going after them. There've been accusations. Of course we have to say legally, these are all accusations and nothing has been proven yet. So there are accusations against army hammer and all that stuff. And against other people that we will, I don't know if we'll mention who, but there are of course people also in the supernatural fandom, but this has happened with two. Uh, we did mention before that this happens at conventions too, but we're going to just focus on social media side and not talk about the convention side. But Carla, what are your thoughts on that? When a celebrity is using their celebrity and going after fans, usually it's underage fans. I want to say that's usually where these accusations are centered. So what are your thoughts on on that? I think it's unsurprising, really, because I think mm-hmm. there are, you know, in just any industry, in any walk of life, there are going to be predators out there, people who whether it's um, not even just strictly a sexual thing, a uh, manipulative thing, it, it can be a financial predator or somebody who just wants to have that feeling of power over people. And with the internet, it's easy pickings. In part because as Meg said, 
there are a lot of young people out there putting entirely way too much of themselves into the internet. And I think, you know, if you, if you look at, and I, I, you know, not to bog this down into a conversation of, of what a girl should look like, a young girl should look like. But if you look at representations of young tween teen girls in the 80s versus now, there's a big difference in how they are presenting themselves to the world as far as, you know, what they're wearing, the makeup that they're using, the hairstyles that they use. And oh, I'm only bringing it up because they're putting this, these representations of themselves out in the world. And with it often comes this feeling of being more mature than maybe you are. And it's it's something where nobody the sexualization of young girls has more to do with the societal perception of them than in how they present themselves so that was a long way around to getting to these predators will take a look at these presentations of these girls and they will assume that they want something more closer to what they want from them than what they actually want for themselves and they will then tailor their interactions with these young people and i'm not you know it's not always just girls but these are mm -hmm. the, the ones who have come forward the most they will tailor their interactions with them in such a way to manipulate them into getting more what they want based on these perceptions and what ends up happening a lot of the time is that because there's such ease of access, there aren't so many layers of protection between them and, and their, and their targets. It's easier for them to, uh, to groom them and then to make small demands than to make larger demands. And with the access that, that kids have now to, um, to cameras, and the fact that it's a lot easier to just take a picture of yourself than it was 20 years ago and then post it. It's taking a lot of unprepared people and um, allowing for their victimization. And again, I'm not putting this on the girls. I'm not putting this on the victims, on anybody who has been through any of this. Um, it's just to say that one of the the downsides of access is that sometimes people are not emotionally prepared for for dealing with it in the sense that if somebody's being nice to you and complimenting you it feels good no matter how old you are what you look like where you've been somebody compliments you it's going to feel good. And when these are younger people going through these really difficult transitions in their lives, where they're coming to grips with their own identity, and you have somebody that you admire in particular, not just some rando, somebody that you have already invested yourself emotionally in, and they're complimenting you, and they're making you feel like you're the only person in the world, 
it becomes a lot easier to want to give them what they're asking for. So again, like I said, it's an inevitable evolution in predatory behavior and it has nothing to, it's not at all the fault of these young people. And I'm focusing on young people because I know that it can happen to anybody at any age and it has happened to people at any age, but I also feel like, um, there's a particular vulnerability when you're younger because you want to feel seen. You want to feel like somebody cares who isn't your parents. You want to compliment Mm -hmm. from somebody who isn't your mom. Mm -hmm. And when you have the likes of allegedly Travis Aaron Wade, Osric Chow, these people who allegedly groom these people, these teenagers into sending them pictures of themselves in um, uh, compromising positions in uh, their underwear or whatever they may allegedly allegedly have requested. Um, It's especially heinous and striking. And then to move on then to the other people who have been, who have been subject to these predators um, outside of the, the young the younger demographic, there is no age at which a predator, oh, oh, there's no age at which one is out of a, of a predator's sights. So, you know, it, it's about power. It's about control. And they have, they, they have found that through the internet and through this access and through this fake intimacy that, a fan will often feel that they have the upper hand now because if you think there's a high from having your fave your fave celebrity follow you imagine the high of getting a dm saying wow that picture you posted you look so hot mm-hmm. or you know like i don't usually message people but i just wanted to tell you that you're very pretty or even if it starts out with something like I read your tweet. It was so intelligent and it it sounds like you're really smart for your age or that was a really interesting thought. Maybe we can talk more. And then from there, it grows to be something more like, I wish that I could spend time with you in person or, you know, like, can you send me a picture so that I can. So it, it just escalates and escalates. And this is just typical grooming behavior. But now it's at your fingertips. It's on your phone. It lives with you every step of your day. And Although nobody at any age is prepared really to deal with that. Nobody should have to, frankly. Mm -hmm. These younger people are especially vulnerable because that feeling out of place, that feeling of that need to be validated and accepted, I, you know, just is so much stronger when you are younger. Um, So it's, 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 like 10 times as disgusting and 10 times as awful that there is this, this pressure cooker in which people live with their um, online personalities and with their access to people who may be out to do them harm. And frankly, okay, I'm regretting saying anything about presentation and appearance in the beginning because there's, there's never if a predator wants to prey on somebody, they will do it regardless of their appearance. So 
everything that I said, I fully regret and take back because it's not really to do that. It was just thinking of the fact that it, uh, the, the, not the fact, but just the, the thought that in your mind, if you're thinking that you look hot and sexy and this is what you're tweeting out and somebody responds to that and says, oh, look, you look so hot and sexy. Then it just kind of feeds into that internet cycle of um, um, reward and everything. But it, it, frankly, it just doesn't matter what you look like. If somebody wants to prey on you, they will try their best to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Any shell? Um, I think it's almost like the celebrities who abuse that, uh, it's almost like they're playing a video game, except the avatars are real people, you know, when they, uh, when, when they do that. And of course, like, I think anybody can be susceptible to it, but I definitely think the younger generation is, is more so because they're used to having predominantly virtual interaction, you know, that's kind of, that's what they've grown up with. That's been their life. And so to them, that feels way more real than uh, you know, for someone who like me would be like, who's this random robot that's you know stolen their, their thing is DMing me or whatever. Uh, so yeah, I think that they are more susceptible to that. And which is very unfortunate because kind of like what Carla was saying, the grooming is so much more subtle, you know, when it, when it's done that way. Uh, Cause it's almost like there's, um, you know, all this separation between the celebrity who's doing that and the person that they're targeting. And so it could be something like, oh, I saw your TikTok dance. I really liked it. How about you do it to a slower song? Or how about you, you know, something like that, you know? And and so it's just mm-hmm. it's just this creepy thing that, um, yeah. Uh, and I feel like it also, unfortunately, it's easier for the person who is abusing that, who is the predator to hide behind things because they can say, well, my account was hacked. You know, that's what it always goes to my account was hacked or somebody else runs my account. I don't do it. And so it gives them this get out of jail free card that they, that they shouldn't have. Uh, So I think that's another thing that makes it, makes it dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Very much with that hacking thing. Yep. Meg. Um, Yeah. And I think it even, it, it goes almost beyond that because, okay. I have a tween. Um, I have a tween who someone was actively trying to groom. And and just and she is not someone that she's not we don't let her on most social media she wanted to be on something with her friends in a server on discord um and she did not real she didn't it didn't even occur to her that this person was doing anything other than normal when you talk about how subtle it was and it started as subtle as being like oh your parents won't take you to chick-fil-a tell me where you live i'll bring you a sandwich if i'm in town and it's like it's scary. Like as a parent, it's genuinely scary to kind of to we try really hard to teach our kids personally about internet safety. And I, I basically raised my children like they're in the 90s in a lot of ways because we kind of beat into them. You don't tell people your personal information, you don't tell this, this, and this. And my daughter thought she was doing all that stuff right. But um the person grooming her was able to work around that and get her to tell him how old she was, how that she has a sister and, and all of these other things. And she didn't even realize she was doing it. And I could not imagine what that would be like if it was one of her favorite actors or one of her favorite musicians doing it, or not even a favorite, just someone that Mm -hmm. she likes. And kids especially are at such a vulnerable age. Like teens is 
hell especially like early puberty is really really hard for kids and getting that a self-esteem boost and that serotonin boost from anybody is a big thing anybody like Carla said anybody telling you that you look good or you're so smart who's not your parents who don't quote unquote have to tell you that stuff is going to do it and if it's someone who's a public figure that you admire it's it's even higher and kids have access without the maturity and they're such a strange combination of naive and too knowledgeable about social media that and this is hardly even to do with what we were talking about just and this is me like venting my fears as a parent i guess um trying to raise children in this world has been really challenging um i remember when i was 13 trolling around on the internet and that's why my kid doesn't have access <laughs> the way i did when i was a kid but as far as the things that um, I don't know quite as much about Azar Todd, and, and this is a different situation. But as far as the things that Travis Aaron Wade allegedly did, because I do not want him dogpiling on me, that's another thing that he did. When people when people came forward and cast their accusations about events and things that happened, he got his following to harass and bully and dogpile the people who came forward. And if we think that a 14-year-old getting attention, positive attention from a celebrity they like influences them in a great way, a barrage of thousands of people telling them to go kill themselves or calling them a liar or a slut or a whore or all these other things has so much more of an impact. And that's, I think, even where, because let's face it, celebrities have taken advantage of their celebrity status for sex Ever. or money forever, forever. It's it's always been the case. They have not had the pickings that they have and the access mm -hmm. that they have because of the internet, but that's always been the case. If I'm sorry. If George Clooney wants to get laid, George Clooney is just going to go and get laid. Like, it's not, mm -hmm. they don't even have to work at it in some cases. They could literally throw a stick and be like, okay, hey. And someone would be like, oh my God, George Clooney hit me with a stick. And, <laughs> and, and adults, consenting adults who don't feel coerced or anything like that. Okay, fine. But I think when we talk about celebrities abusing fans, I feel like we're really talking about younger fans in a yeah, lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I think it happens with adults too. I think it happens less with adults than it does with younger kids because most adults kind of know their shit. And if they don't, I mean, I guess I'm speaking personally. Like, I'd be like, ah, no, gross. But, and the really hard thing is when it does come to the social media and stuff like that, and if they do get called out and how they send their fans as an army to destroy these kids or these young women or, or, any, or anybody who happens to disagree with them. Um, I'm going to throw Mark Pellegrino out there and that has mm -hmm. nothing to do with sexual sex or anything like that he just fights with people on the internet and then sends his fans after people who disagree with them and calls them terrible names and he's even started a um i i don't think it's ironic but he actually started an anti-bullying like foundation where he when it's hilarious because he literally sicks his fans on people who disagree with them 
um, he six he tries to get his celebrity friends to also dogpile on top of them and get their fan, fans to dogpile on them. And another celebrity, and this is why I hate him, is William Shatner. William Shatner is a 90-year-old man who fights with teenagers on Twitter and then, again, sends his fans. And he has a huge platform. These people have huge platforms, and they're going after kids who have 14 followers. And they're just relentless. And then they wash their hands and say, sorry, I can't control what they're doing. You know what I mean? I just called you out for saying something I didn't agree with. I can't control that my fans are are telling you to go kill yourself. And mm-hmm. I think, I don't want to say it's more because it's not more, but it's equally as harmful as some of the other things that we have been talking about. Because not only are some of these young people dealing with grooming or this being taken advantage of or basically I think Michelle said it said it really well being kind of an avatar in somebody's video game but on top of that if they say anything and a lot of them probably don't say anything because they see what happened to people who happens to people who do and it was bad before social media if you just look at Monica Lewinsky Mm-hmm. and she was an intern like she was not a celebrity she was not a famous person and just kind of seeing what happens to other people I don't even blame people for not coming forward and not wanting to deal with that kind of barrage and that kind of harassment and abuse because there's no other word for it And I'll throw out the quote unquote allegedly or not quote unquote uh, allegedly all of these things happened. Allegedly. (laughs) No one has been convicted of anything except you can just go on Mark Pellegrino and William Shatner's Twitter and see because they do it every day. They do it all the time. That's all they do on Twitter. And it's gross. Yep. Allegedly, don't come sue us. Don't come attack us. Allegedly. That's of character. It's the only reason be, I'm putting allegedly in there. Maybe they got hacked. <laughs> Every single time. Well, there's mm-hmm. a reason I blocked Mark Pellegrino on my... Oh, I blocked both of them. Twitter a long time ago. Travis Aaron Wade blocked me many moons ago. I, yeah, I, I I got blocked by him and I had never interacted with him. I said something about Cole, I think, and he blocked me. That's how, I mean allegedly that's why he blocked me and i actually wore it as an a badge of honor that he blocked me i I think that was so awesome i used hootsuite and scheduled tweets asking him questions about the allegations against him oh during a scheduled live tweet that he was doing or something and he blocked me and i didn't even feel bad Applause for Meg. I'm just going to add really quickly and then we're going to move on to the next thing. But uh, yeah, I think personally, I remember when, when America online came around. Okay. And the breeding ground that that was when you were a young teen for people trying to get at you. I mean, the internet is just, that's what it's bred for. And I remember this guy who was talking to me and grooming me and he was in his thirties and he had kids and he was married and he was like, you know, I don't understand why I'm feeling this way about you, but I am feeling this way about you. What's your address? I want to send you things. And I'm not trying, you know, I'm not trying. And then I 
I got to the point where I actually was getting freaked out. So I kind of cut him off and then I kind of went on another name and he found me and he said, Oh, so you're now under this name. Oh, so you are going to talk to me now. And I was just freaked out, but they, but he did it in such a way where I felt completely guilty. I felt so bad for cutting this person off, but I was a young kid. I didn't know what in the world I was talking about. I was still growing, still growing into my own and getting attention from this person who was older and more sophisticated and, Oh, isn't this so cool? When in reality, when I look back at it now, I'm like, Oh my God, I am very lucky <laughs> that nothing happened. I'm very lucky because this person had really big access to me. Um, but yeah, so that's why, I mean, I think it's really a scary, scary world out there on the internet. And I just, it, it's just, yeah, it's just terrifying because there is so much more access. And yes, if you're a celebrity and you are targeting teens and preteens or allegedly targeting them in that way, it's scary because when someone sees a celebrity doing it, we do have this weird thing of excusing what they're doing and not seeing them as human. It goes once again to not seeing them as a person. And they know that. So they're like, okay, this is an easy way to get away with this. And this is easy, easy picking. So it's like a candy store for me. So I can just pick out whatever candy I want and I can use them. And then of course she's that excuse of being hacked, which is what a lot of them do. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's really terrifying. Okay. We so were, we're gonna... all hacked when we were talking about allegedly things happening. This podcast <laughs> was hacked. This podcast was hacked. Uh, okay. So we're going to move on. And I, I'm going to first, before anyone says anything, I'm going to go on this, this thing about Jeremy Renner. Okay. Because I really want to open, I, seriously, I want to open up with this. So in case anybody out there doesn't know, Jeremy Renner had an app. <laughs> okay. And the, he's not the only celebrity that has done this. So he's not the only one who's ever had an app. And he's not the only one who's ever, you know, asked for money from friends. You know, there was always the, you know, fan clubs and stuff like that too. But Jeremy Renner had an app that you would it was free to join, but then you'd pay money to get like stars and get more access to him. And the way you kind of thought about it was maybe he would actually call you out personally. Basically it was just his Instagram feed into this app. <laughs> That's really what it is. Cause later the stuff he put on there would be on Instagram, his public Instagram account. But the reason I say I'm going to go first is I loved Jeremy Renner, Jeremy Renner. Like you hear me talk about George Clooney. You heard me talk about Christian Bale. You've heard me tell you, my love and admiration for Jeremy Renner was a lot more than that. <laughs> I'm just going to say that when I saw The Hurt Locker, which I still love that movie. I still think that movie is fabulous, wonderful, fantastic. I'm not going to stop liking that movie just because of Jeremy Renner. But when I saw that movie, that was what I was like, oh, my God, this person is an incredible actor. He's so gifted. I went out, watched every single thing he has done. Which let me tell you, when you watch everything that Jeremy Renner has done, some of those early stuff he did, little small little things, this movie called Fish in a Barrel, go look that up. Horrible movies. Uh, Love Comes to the Executioner, which I shared that lovely clip of him singing for you guys. Um, I'm still not forgiving you about the little Joel. Not having to hear that. But... I watched everything he was like, and I'm not talking like I was a stalker or anything like that. I'm just saying that I just really thought he was incredible. The best actor around. He became really, he became my favorite actor. Um, and then 
for me, what happened with Jeremy Renner is Jeremy Renner started doing action movies. First Mission Impossible. And then he went and did Marvel. And I'm not putting down doing Marvel or being a superhero. But I think Jeremy Renner became it became his own worst thing where he became what sometimes happens with celebrities where they believe their own hype. And so he became so egotistical and some of the stuff he would say was just so outrageous and sexist and racist and homophobic and all this kind of stuff. And so my opinion of him changed so drastically that I just despise him. So I just wanted to open up with that because the reason this whole episode came about was there's a podcast that covers the Jeremy Renner app, which I was never on, never had it. And the downfall of it, which it was basically was infiltrated by troll accounts. And that's why he ended up shutting it down. But there was all this infighting in there. And there's this great podcast called The Renner Files that covers this whole thing. And I listened to that last year and I went, okay, we're going to do an episode covering (laughs) the toxic side because that's what this was about to me was also a celebrity using their fans to get money, to make money, to make their clout higher. Um, You know, he also released like an album and all this kind of stuff. And he just became this walking ego. And of course he's also been accused of uh, threatening the life of the mother of his child. So I also want to put that out there too. So yeah, so that was my little thing about, you know, if I had still loved Jeremy Renner, everyone would say, God, when is she going to mention Jeremy Renner on this podcast episode? So that's. <laughs> I have to personally say, thank God you're past that part. Cause I don't want to wonder when you're going to mention Jeremy Renner. I already learned more about this man than I ever wanted to know this afternoon. <laughs> listening to that hilarious podcast. Yeah, it's a hilarious podcast, but yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so Carla, did you listen to any of the podcast or research? I did, and it is a freaking delight. (laughs) When I first started listening to it, I was like, what is this thing? It's like so, like, did they drink the Kool-Aid? Why are they so, like, apparently into it? And then you start to actually, you know, think about it, and it's like, no, no, no. It's just, uh, it's just funny, like they're. It's just heightened and it's it's comedy. It's it's fantastic, but it, it they illustrate a lot of really important points, and at the same time, they make you laugh about the absurdity of it all. It's just absolutely brilliant satire, and I am so down for it. And I I'm gonna listen to all of the rest of the episodes because <laughs> it's not Chef's Kiss brilliant, and you know you had mentioned to me about the the app like a million moons ago but to have it detailed in such a way and particularly the the way it kind of just fell apart at the end um was eye-opening and hilarious um but it also serves to highlight something that you know I, i you know we've all kind of mentioned but not directly which is the fans who are all in the ones who really buy in deep and whose faith will not be shaken no matter what you present to them about this person that they that they stand. And, you know, even the term standing comes from that Eminem song for mm-hmm. a toxic fan who's a stalker. This is a stalker fan. That's what a stan is. So um, 
when you're talking about these people who who stand certain celebrities to the point where they can have no faults everything is you know everything that you perceive to be wrong with them is on you for perceiving it to be wrong not for the not on the celebrity mm-hmm. for actually doing something awful um and i think in a lot of ways there are a lot of fans of anybody you know there's i'm not even thinking of anyone that's not true i'm thinking of one particular person but just anybody who has fans will have certain fans who will look the other way when they do when they do awful things or they will excuse them they will say well you know you know he seemed really tired that day or you know maybe he's just i don't think he's like that in real life or they will um that false sense of relationship that they have with an actor they will take that and use that to excuse that person's behavior they they will say well i know I, I i know her i know what she's really like and you know she would never do something like that anytime that anybody says i know what this person is really like like you don't understand you're not a real fan like i i've been standing this person for so long i know you know when, when they move their eyebrows in this particular way it means that they're constipated like okay they may be constipated that one time but most of the other times it's probably not constipation it's probably that they're like about to stab somebody and you know also, like maybe if you know make... that someone's constipated and you're fan <laughs> that's my whole point meg thank you for making my point for me i'm just saying carla <laughs> I'm just saying. I know, I don't know when you're constipated, and I feel like I know you pretty well. And well, you do know because I tell me. you. Well, that's yeah. not neither here nor there. Um, but there, but there are fans out there who who will say, you know, like I know that that this person, you know, I, I looked into their their timeline, and they were working that day, so they were probably really exhausted, and that's why they probably snapped and slapped that waitress at at Hooters, whatever the case may be. <laughs> but you know what? I really I was not, that was so I was not I precisely sure who you were referring to before until that comment. I'm like, oh now I know. No, but and I will bring in a and this is something that I don't even know if we need to use the, the word allegedly, but I'll use it just in case. Allegedly when Jared Padalecki had that that He's thing, yeah, she's allegedly the worst ever. Allegedly, the absolute worst ever. Yes, but he allegedly not only was beating on one of his employees. I think it was an employee, maybe a patron. I don't remember exactly, but again, allegedly, huh? Um, but then he allegedly tried to bribe the police officer, mm-hmm. and then was trying to throw out his clout as kind of like a shield for you know like oh do you know who i am no no look at me look at me look at me do you know who i am and i a lot of celebrities do that and for all of the ones that get caught and get humiliated in public and who then have mm-hmm. to issue milkatosi apologies of like oh i was just really having a bad day i'm gonna go into rehab now and i'll never ever do this again like this is completely out of character for me i would never in my real life actually do this for every mel gibson that's captured on tape being anti-semitic and racist there are who knows how many celebrities getting away with that and far worse because they're either not caught on tape or because it gets buried one way or the other mm-hmm. so th- there's always a jeremy renner app without the app 
situation going on out there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> yeah. No, that was, that was great. Um, Michelle, did you get a chance to listen to any of those or read any articles or watch any of the YouTube videos? <laughs> Yeah, I watched, I listened to, I think, two episodes, and uh, I had not heard of the of the app. I know who Jeremy, Jeremy Renner is, of course, but I don't know anything about him. <laughs> you know, I didn't know anything about him. But uh, yeah, I did like the podcast. Uh, it had this, this very, like, true crime vibe to it at first, yeah. and I was like, what's mm-hmm. going on here? I was, like, wait, <laughs> waiting for them to expose this, like, huge scandal. But then I totally picked up on the satire. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, very smartly done. Um, but uh, yeah, then I just kind of got lost in what Carla was saying. I forgot specifically what we were talking about. But, <laughs> but uh, I do think that. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, I don't know going to go off on a tangent and not really land it. Yeah, but I do think that celebrities do get to this uh, superhuman status loose in their mind. and But the fans reinforce that. I mean, we're even the ones who elevate them to that status. And then you know, they do have those super fans who reinforce that and who buy into it and who excuse things and who will sign up for whatever they put out there, (laughs) you know, and who will pay whatever the celebrity says pay for something. And um, yeah, so I definitely think there's a lot of manipulation with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And Meg, did you, I know you listened to it because you said, dang it, I had to hear Jeremy Renner ruin Billy Joel. Yeah. So I had to listen to I did not think it was possible to ruin Billy Joel. And actually, I love Billy Joel because I am that person. Um, hey, I do too. Carla's laughing at me like she doesn't love Bon Jovi. Like, I love him and Billy Joel, but that's not. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Joel was the second concert I saw ever was Billy Joel. I saw him and Elton John together and it was amazing. Oh, uh, that I'm really cool. Cracking, Meg. Okay, we get it, Meg. You're super cool. <laughs> my parents even paid for my ticket. That's how cool. <laughs> Can you just like drop her accidentally? Like, oh no, Meg, we lost you today. Whoops. We'll I see you. Like, oh, I mean, now Aaron's gonna tell me. I did have front row tickets once to Hanson, so I'm sorry. Well, mm, up to you too. Laura, <laughs> right, then I'll tell you the story about how I tormented my kid with that song. Anyway, so I thought this was this ad. Okay, so this first off, I want Tom Hanks typewriter app because i feel like that is one of those (laughs) that is of course tom hanks like of course tom hanks is like i'm gonna give i'm gonna create an app where i make typewriter sounds if you want it great and he's not gonna advertise it it's not like an ego boost for him necessarily or anything like that he's just like i really love typewriters and he's so precious because he's tom hanks but this thing this jeremy renner app first off the podcast is hilarious and you do feel like you're listening to it and you start listening and you're like, okay, clearly he must have done some horrible misconduct growth <laughs> thing with fans on this app because it they're it's it's very clearly not serious, but like they made a whole podcast about this. And it's like, no, he just built this ego farm for himself. Yep. And then when people weren't being nice to him, <laughs> he he ended. <laughs> And I'm just like, I'm sorry. It reminded me so much of when Chris Pat- Pratt was voted the worst critic. 
Yes. And then he had like all of his celebrity friends come out and be like, Chris Pratt is such a great guy. He's wonderful. He is my favorite. <laughs> Meanwhile, Brie Larson's over here like, the fuck? <laughs> yep. <laughs> but so it's just, it's the most. And like you had people who did, they went all in on it. They were like, he's my favorite. I can't believe people were being so mean to him. And then other people who are like, I was bored. I think he's kind of boring and lame. And so I thought I would just go and like, I don't even remember the question they asked him, but then they were pretending to be Rarimi Jenner. <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. Um, if you haven't heard it, and I feel like nowhere near enough people have, even if you don't like Jeremy Renner, because unlike Aaron, I have never been a fan of Jeremy Renner. Hawkeye, in my opinion, is the lamest Avenger. Um, but that's just me and my 12 year old tries to fight me about it which is hilarious because I, I, I told her I was like who's lamer tell me who's tell me and she can't think of anybody so I automatically win but no it's just so funny and it, like I said it, the hilarious part is it's just so mediocre and so dumb and so sad because like it it's just an attention farm and they would delete any comments that weren't complimentary to Jeremy Renner. And I'm just like, how, how fragile do you have to be where you go on the internet and said, no, say nobody be mean to me. It's Scientology, but for one person. <laughs> but for <laughs> one person yeah. yeah, it's very um, true. But and it's and it, like we look at these stands and stuff like that, and the people who say you stand unironically, I find very very funny in many ways, because I'm like you're you're young, that's why you're <laughs> saying you're a stand unironically. But yeah, I think it's really interesting, kind of. And I, I Carla's tangent made me want to continue that tangent, and I just don't think I will. Like, I don't need to talk anymore about Jared Padalecki and his weird doxing things yeah. that he does anytime someone's not treating him as he thinks he deserves to be treated. And then With he's the like, let me, let, me he deserves. Your, let me take your picture. Talk about how this was the worst service ever. And I'm never going to fly this airline slash go to this bar slash go to this casino. <laughs> and then act like, Act like the victim when these people that you take a picture of and dox get harassed by your fans. And they say, I'm sorry, I deserve to be treated with respect. Sorry, that's a weird tangent. Or but... you no, or he uses he uses his um, mental health struggles to get away he with that a lot. And, I, and as and someone who has not, a mental illness, that's the, really insulting. Yeah. Well, and so. it's not even it's not even to like denigrate his mental health issues and everything no like but that's that. what he does is he uses his mental health issues to very, say that's my excuse <laughs> yeah i find it very ironic that he started the always keep fighting campaign and everyone has to be like mm -hmm. we didn't mean that kind of fighting <laughs> like that's not what we meant yeah, yeah we did not mean of. always keep tweeting at the airlines <laughs> take take pictures and be like this person works at this bar and they were so mean to me because they didn't bring me mustard when I asked for it allegedly which which you know allegedly a lot of celebrities probably do that but well and the Jeremy Renner thing <laughs> that I, I just want woman had to move that poor waitress had yeah. to move and lose her job because his fans were awful. Like she, she literally, I think the restaurant owner or the bar owner was just like, 
they didn't seem to have like it didn't she didn't think that there was any issue but he was mad that she was like on her phone during her downtime or some shit but anyway allegedly oh that's alleged <laughs> don't come out oh i'm not i am way you. behind on my celebrity news <laughs> We can't tell people where to find us on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to, um, coming back to the Jeremy Renner thing, um, just a little bit. And I do want to say, you know, so I will sorry. say again. To diverge. No, everybody mm-hmm. is. It's fine. It's fine. No, I'm just bringing it back to that because what I want to read here, <laughs> this is from Jeremy Renner himself. Okay. So this isn't allegedly. This is from Jeremy Renner himself. This is his goodbye note when he shut down the app. This is this is the best. (laughs) Because he did create this app because he wanted his super fans to have a place to get together. And this is coming from someone who was a super fan of Jeremy Renner. Okay, and but I was a super fan of his stuff. That was more. I'm an independent film girl, and when he, you know, bit much, but. But I knew when to quit and be like, okay, this guy's a jackass. I'm not going to like him anymore. Plus the abuse allegations. Okay, but here it goes. So this has a um, blue ribbon on the top that says goodbye. Kind of a ribbon, kind of a goodbye right here. He put goodbye. This is from his Instagram, okay? And he says, the app has jumped the shark, literally. Due to clever individuals that were able to manipulate ways to impersonate me and others within the app, I have asked EscapeX, the company that runs this app, to shut it down immediately and refund anyone who has purchased any stars over the last 90 days, which you could spend up to $400 pretty much on on stars. (laughs) What was supposed to be a place for fans to connect with each other has turned into a place that is everything I detest and can't or won't condone. (laughs) My sincere apologies for this to have not turned out the way it was intended. To all the super fans. (laughs) This dude sounds like he's apologizing for doing blow off a dead hooker's stomach. (laughs) To all the super fans who have supported me with your words or encouragement, amazing art, stories, and time shared on the app. A genuine thank you in all caps. And I hope to see you on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. JR. <laughs> I want to know where the violins were when you were reading that off because it feels like just just starting to say the words should, you know, like, okay, Google your phone into playing something with violins somebody should tell him he is not a politician and he's also not married so he doesn't have to do a weird i'm sorry you found me fucking the nanny apology while his wife or spouse stands behind him stoically like that's the most bizarre like look this is what i never heard of this app until today no this is what it comes down to it's I'm sorry this didn't work out the way that I wanted. Exactly. I'm wanting to walk away yeah. with your money. Yep. And uh-huh. I feel like I should at least apologize to you for that. That being said, I'm taking your money. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, he did say he'd refund. <laughs> yeah, but according to the podcast, I think like the, the stars were money each in the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. oh my god. The person who pretended to be Richard Kind asking for music <laughs> advice. <laughs> it would be the most amazing thing about that whole I will like say if Richard nothing kind. else 
Erin, <laughs> I, I fully appreciate you bringing that, that podcast yes. into my life. Because <laughs> it will provide me with so much comedy joy for the time uh-huh. that I get to spend re- listening to the rest of the episodes that I haven't listened to. It's amazing. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, and I, and I hope you finish finish it, Michelle, because it is. It's absolutely yeah. <laughs> brilliant. It's so brilliant. I think and it should be turned into like... You don't have to know all of Jeremy Renner's works to listen to this. <laughs> they go very in-depth. Too in-depth. You know, I, I do. I own so many Jeremy Renner DVDs. <laughs> idea i have Dahmer, hurt locker uh 12 and holding and all these really smaller movies this movie called neo ned all these really like <laughs> nobody knows what they are at the town yeah. once i talked about how he got into character for Dahmer, i i was like mm, i'm kind of glad i didn't uh i was never a big fan of this guy <laughs> Like, yeah see but it's it's you know i'm gonna say on a, on a personal note it's really is kind of sad though when you admire someone so much because i truly did i think some of his performances before his ego took over were actually i think his performance in Dahmer is absolutely mind-blowingly good i think his performance in the hurt locker is absolutely incredible his performance in 12 this movie 12 and holding he's a supporting actor is absolutely incredible this movie called Neo Ned. I mean, he's just was a really good actor and I really, really admired him and admired his performances and it loved watching him. And so it is sad in this way when you have an artist that you admire so much and you love watching them and watching their work. And then that all just kind of goes away. It's really kind of, it's really kind of heartbreaking in a way, which I know sounds, may sound silly, but it's sad because, you know, you loved their work so much and now it's harder to enjoy that work, you know? Well, and I think, honestly, I feel like you could probably do an entire episode where we talk about kind of um, celebrities and idols falling off their pedestals or mm-hmm. things coming out. We touched a little bit on cancel culture versus consequence culture, but it does hurt. It is really painful when someone you grew up or not even grown grew up or just admired and and think. I know that if I found out that a couple, some of my favorite actors were like horrible people and like animal like just animal abusers or any or stuff like that, it would it would suck. It would hurt a lot, even like yeah. as an adult. But I remember, I mean, <clears throat> you look at Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. Like that was a hard blow for a lot of people when that stuff came out about him. Um, and it it does hurt. It does hurt because when we talk about this pair, so many people when you're watching someone, you identify with them and you feel like you can relate to them and you connect them to not only parts of yourself and characters they play influence who you become as a person as you're growing up, but they're also tied to parts of your life that you really kind of cherish and imprint on you and to have that that I don't want to say facade but to have that kind of taken away it feels like you're losing a little part of yourself along with it you're losing that part of yourself that this creator gave you Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's one of those things like if you think about stuff like Michael Jackson where people are like, it's so hard. It's 
and I think I use that because I grew up listening to Michael Jackson and and with all the stuff with all that stuff kind of coming out and it it's a really tough reckoning I guess to have within yourself and at what point can you separate the creator from the art and Mm -hmm. where is that line drawn so yeah I think we could probably do an entire episode just talking about that because I think it's pretty traumatic for people yeah I mean I have several of those like uh, one of my absolute favorite movies that means a great deal to me personally is into the wild and emile hirsch is not a good person and sean penn is not a good person and so it's hard because that movie means so much to me personally that it's like okay am i allowed to still love this movie and feel connected to it And, but yet at the same time, I know that they're scum, they're scumbags, you know, that kind of thing. And like, yeah. So I had a similar thing with a a Bronx tale is one of my favorite. It's an old movie. It's really not that great, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, uh, but I love it. I saw it when I was, when I was really young, it was already kind of old movie men. Uh, But I Googled one of the lead characters one day and uh, just like ruined the whole thing for me. And so yeah, I try to never do that. I try to know as little as possible <laughs> about, about celebrities. I know, like I don't have I don't have any of my own personal social media. All I have is just what's for our podcast, and I only use it, you know, for that reason. But uh, yeah, <laughs> because because it is a um, a very hard fall when they, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you have to let go of that illusion that you had. Yeah. Most recently, actually, this just recently happened this past week. The movie Jeepers Creepers, which I don't know if anybody else has seen Jeepers Creepers. It's it's a horror movie, so I'm sure you didn't see it, Meg. But the director of that, um, Victor Salva, he's he's a convicted, so this is not allegedly, he is a convicted pedophile. He raped an actor on the set of a movie he did that was financed by Francis Ford Coppola. And this, it was a 12-year-old boy, and he raped this boy, and he videotaped this, and he was caught also with child pornography. He only served, like, I think it was, like, 18 months. He got out, and then he later, after he got out, he made the movie Powder. He made Jeepers Creepers. And if you look at his movies, his movies all have an undertone of pedophilia in them. Like, a lot of people think the creature in Jeepers Creepers represents his um, pedophilia. Uh, because there's even scenes where like that creature, and this is before I knew who this person was. And I did see this. I have seen this movie where he sniffs like the boxer shorts of Justin Long's character in the movie and does it in a very sexual way. And so, you know, and in powder, if you've seen the movie powder, the way the camera pans on his body and all this kind of stuff. So he is, but he's still around and he's still, the thing with the Jeepers Creepers movies and these other things is he's still profiting off of this. So when someone like that is still profiting, you kind of have to go, okay, we're not going to support these movies anymore. And Jeepers Creepers was trending on Twitter and it was trending because somebody posted a picture and they saw a truck that looked like the truck that the Jeepers Creepers creature used to drive. And they said, Oh, this isn't who I think it is. So then that made Jeepers Creepers trend. And you had people saying people that I follow on Twitter saying, you know, reminder this guy's a pedophile don't support these movies this guy's disgusting and sick he's got support from he still got support from francis ford coppola after he got out of jail just to let everybody know well that's like um Lansky and woody allen yeah exactly and it's it's but it is just so allegedly. disgusting 
But this one, he was convicted, so I'm. That's how my Woody Allen. I know, I know, but <laughs> um, and Roman Polanski is also not really well. Anyway, he's a disgusting piece of shit. But uh, but anyway, but you know, people were saying, no, you reminder, this guy is you know a horrible person, and all these people are going, well, I still love the movie. I'm still going to watch the movie. I mean, come on, let's just. What do you want him to be executed? What do you want to be? You know, he 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 went to jail. He did his time. <laughs> you think this person really stopped doing that? <laughs> I mean, well, give think, me a break. So it's just, it's that kind of thing. I think one of the biggest and most recent and and hardest, I think, for a lot of people reckoning has been J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter. Like when yeah. you talk about the. I'm not a big fan of Harry Potter or anything like that, but I know people who are. And when I was talking about death of the author, I think that's when death of the author is insanely important because people are like, can I still like this? Can I still like the story when it was written by such a kind of despicable person? And, and I think it's really, I think social media has made it harder to separate yourself from creators. And I think, that makes it harder for us to actually enjoy stuff because I don't think there's anything. If you love Harry Potter, you can still love Harry Potter. If Harry Potter was a big influence in your life, like I'm not going to stop my children from reading Harry Potter if they love it and stuff like that. They both know that the writer of Harry Potter sucks, (laughs) but I feel like it's something that's really that's something that's been really hard. That's something I've seen on social media for Harry Potter fans. That's been really hard to kind of reconcile within themselves because in so many people who are Harry Potter fans, they grew up with these books. These books help shape who they are as people and who trying to figure out who they are without these books because they're so influential it has been really hard to see. And that and and that's where I kind of like. At what point do we separate the creator from the creation? And I, like I said, with the death of the author, once they're out there, they're not hers anymore, or they're not the the authors anymore. They belong to everybody, and I think that's something. There's something beautiful about that in a way because you can see art and you can you can interpret it how it works best for you. But I just, it's really hard because you're like, this person sucks and I don't want to support, I don't want to buy their merchandise and support them and keep giving them my money. But how is it fair to me that I don't get to enjoy something that I love anymore because somebody else sucks? Like reading Harry Potter does not make you the same as... J.K. Rowling. And I think that's something that a lot of people are really having an issue kind of figuring out and trying to navigate that. But we'll definitely have to cover that at some other time and get a lot yeah. deeper into it. We did it on our Me Too episode, too. We talked about that a lot on Me Too. And Bill Cosby, of course, came up and Michael Jackson and and a few others. I think actually I did mention Emile Hirsch on that one, too. So, Yeah. Uh, but this has been an interesting conversation. So thank you, everybody. So we'll just go around and everybody can say where they can be found and whatever you want to plug. Carla. 
if you do want to be found, I guess Meg's <laughs> Meg is terrified now of all of these fandom peeps coming out of the woodwork and and yeah. Okay, so um uh I'm if gonna do it anyway. No, it's fine. If they yelled at us, if they didn't yell at us for our supernatural episodes where we had conversations about that, then I feel like we're okay. <laughs> well, you know, I'm tipsy enough that it doesn't matter to me either way. So here we go. You can find both Meg and me at Bedwet or Behead Pod, our our podcast in which we bedwet and behead three characters from a show, movie, or book. And those can be found on any podcast carrier. Um, and we can be found on our Twitter page primarily at BedwetBeheadPod, on our Instagram at bed.wet.behead.pod, or on Facebook. Just look for Bedwet or Behead Podcast, and we will be there, possibly hiding. Who knows? <laughs> And, and someday maybe you'll do um, Queers Folk and then you'll have a show and I on there. But you can't <laughs> yeah. have Brian because. <laughs> no, we'll give you a for Brian. Yeah. <laughs> and then, Michelle, where, they can, where can they find your podcast? Um, I am uh, half of the hosting team with that for Liberty Diner Dish, a Queers Folk podcast. And we are um, on all streaming platforms and on social media. On Instagram, we are diner dish and then everywhere else we are liberty diner dish our name was too long for um, for twitter <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah that's where you can find me and ken my co-host awesome okay and then meg where they can where can they find you other than you can, you can find me hiding in a cave regretting <laughs> saying anything um no you can find me on twitter at wisconsin Act, which is w-i-s-c-o-n-s-e-n-n-a-c-h you can find me on other platforms with that too, but it's a desert wasteland. But so. don't you scared. <laughs> but don't don't. I mean, if you're gonna say mean stuff, find me on Instagram. <laughs> I'm too old for Insta. I'm a geriatric millennial, haven't you heard? <laughs> and this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at e April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any, well, positive feedback, <laughs> if you're, as long as you're not like a, you know, just you Jeremy Renner, Jared Padalecki stand coming in. <laughs> You can, you can reach I out love to me. Jeremy Renner singing Billy Joel. <laughs> um, you can reach out to the show at it's, it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And next week is movie week. <laughs> it's movie, 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 movie week. So it's going to start out with tomorrow night. Of course, we are going to be talking about the new Zack Snyder movie, which I was going to touch a little bit on that. And we didn't get a chance to about fandom with, Zack Snyder because there was recently an article that came out where he talked about that so it would have been interesting we'll have to talk about that at some time maybe it'll come up when we talk about Army of the Dead which I'm very excited to see because frankly I think Zack Snyder's um, Dawn of the Dead the remake that he made is one of the best zombie movies ever made honestly so I'm very excited for this one it looks like a ton of fun and then Carla's going to be in all these episodes too. So Carla's back to being my co-host. 
I just hope the people listening to it, that slew of, of Carla participation preparation, um, either really like me or very willing to put up with me for your sake. They love you. And I'm sure a certain somebody, a certain Welsh person will be making lots of appearances too. <laughs> anyway. Naturally. <laughs> anyway, so we're also going to be talking about bridesmaids which turns 10 this year. And then we're going to be talking about Thelma and Louise, which turns, I think it's like 30s something or 20. I don't know. Something that makes me feel ancient. And we're going to talk about Thelma and Louise and the change that was supposed to happen when Thelma and Louise came out, but of course didn't happen. So all of those should be a lot of fun. I'm excited because it's movie week. <laughs> I didn't even mean for it to be that way, but it became movie week. So until next time, remember it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter, and Stop Asian Hate. Thank you again for listening to It's a Fandom Thing. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Our logo was designed by Brooke Belly with cover art by Carla Timmies. Additional research was done by Megan Archuleta. Our Instagram and Facebook content producer and creator is Erin Amos. And our producer is Lila Tafola. I'm your host, Aaron Marlowe, and remember, keep that fandom spirit alive. Love collecting things? Time to add Goat Guns miniature models. These gun models are one-third to scale and one-tenth the cost of the real thing. These little bad boys are 4 to 11 inches in length and weigh up to one full pound. Build, collect, and customize your Goat Guns collection with attachments. Build your dream collection at GoatGuns.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.